Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. That'd be just cool if you subscribed. It'd also be cool if you rate five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. You can like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Any questions, thoughts, or recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you in a timely fashion. With each passing week, we get closer to Philly Sketch Fest, taking place between June 3rd and June 7th later this year. You can submit your live act or your short film at phillysketchfest.com. There's three buttons on top, live act, short film, volunteer. They're all good to go. And if I haven't mentioned it before, I'll actually be heading up to Toronto to attend a few nights of Toronto Sketch Fest. I'm pretty excited about this little getaway, and there will be some kind of bonus episodes tied in. I just haven't figured out what that will look like just yet, but that's in a few weeks, so let's focus on today. We're back in Philadelphia because today's guest is Brianna Clorell, currently a member of the Rhubarbs and the Philly Improv Theater house team Mural Outrage. Brianna is also directing Philly Improv Theater's Valentine's Day show, Smitten, this weekend. Brianna's first sketch is called Human Barometer Forever. Brianna reads the roles of Blue, who is the facilitator of a group training session, and AJ, one of the less enthusiastic employees. And I read the roles of Jay, the team leader, and Gigi, one of the other employees who is a little bit more enthusiastic. So let's go to the sketch. Jay and AJ enter the room. Gigi is seated, facing an energetic blue, preparing to lead a training. The employees are tired, and most are holding coffee. Oh no, open space. Bubbly trainer. This can only mean one thing. Icebreakers, I am suddenly driven to go fix the copier that's been broken for three weeks. Nope, you're staying. Work buds before tech buds. Welcome to day one of training. We have three guidelines. One mic. I talk. You listen. Number two, people before technology. So I'll just collect all your phones. Blue collects everyone's phones. They are reluctant, but comply with varying degrees of ease. Wait, what? And number three, have fun. We're going to start with introductions. First, share your name and pronouns. Oh, and then this will be fun. Pick an adjective, which is a describing word that starts with the same letter as your name that describes you. For example, oh, I don't know. Let's pick Beyonce, my queen. Bodacious Beyonce. Oh, and I almost forgot. We're going to do a gesture too. Got it? Any questions? AJ says to Jay. Why are we doing this? Jay raises his hand. Excuse me. Is this necessary? We're the only three employees at this company, so I think we know each other pretty well. Oh, I forgot. Also share your zodiac signs, sun, moon, and rising, and your favorite way to eat a potato. For example, baked potato, french fry, hash browns, tater tot, au gratin. (laughs) I'll go first. I'm bubbly blue. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I am a cancer sun, cancer moon, Pisces rising, and I love home fries. Mmm. Any chance we can just jump into the training? It's Friday. This is step one of the training. Icebreakers. Getting to know each other. Very important. Laying the groundwork for all of our future learning adventures. Yeah, but we already know each other. We've all been here since the startup started up. It was a cold winter day in 2013. We don't need the backstory, AJ. 
well, I don't know you, and it's, it's essential I get to know the wonderful humans I'll be spending the next few hours with. You know what? Let's just do it. Bodacious Beyonce, right? Well, she's a Virgo sun, Scorpio moon, Libra rising. I'm not sure her favorite way to eat potatoes. Maybe fries with Nikki? Jay, it's supposed to be about you. Oh, right. I'm not Beyonce. I'm Jazzy Jay. He, him. I'm a Leo. Gemini rising. Pisces moon. And I guess French fries. I'm irritated, AJ. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I'm not doing the rest. I respect your autonomy and agency. Who's next? I'm Gregarious Gigi. He, him. I'm a Virgo sun, Virgo rising, Cancer moon. And I would have to say it's a tie between tater tots and hash browns. Wait, are ties allowed? Ties are not allowed, but I appreciate your enthusiasm. Hash browns. No tots. Wait, but... Hash browns are so good. The crispy kind from Wawa? Yeah. Hash browns. Wait. Great. I think I feel like we're already close friends. Time to learn our content for the day. The employees move to take their seats. Finally. Let me just pull up my notes. Okay, ready to go. Everyone up. Again? This activity is called human barometer. A barometer is used to measure atmospheric pressure, but you are people, so we will be using your bodies to assess the atmosphere in this room. I will read a prompt, and if you agree 100%, you go to this side of the room. Disagreeers go to this side. You can also feel free to meet in the middle. We're going to go fast. Start in the middle. Employees stand in the center of the room. First prompt. Fridays are great. All employees move to the agree side, but barely settle in. Reset to the middle. Go, 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 go. Next. I like icebreakers. AJ and Jay move to the disagree side. Gigi is winded, but moves towards agree. I will not take that personally. Reset to the center. Next. Interactive activities are exciting. All move to the center, wind it, and try to move to their spots. Can we take a break or um, sit down? Yes, I need a quick me moment. 30 seconds for hydration and whatever. Blue starts counting down from 30 while the staff runs around trying to get their water, run to the bathroom, and check their phones before zero. They reach their seats by zero, out of breath. Gigi is using their inhaler. Break's over. Time to move on to the next activity. Seat it, right? I can't believe I'm saying this, but can you, can't you just lecture us? Of course not. Lecturing is a completely ineffective, archaic, patriarchal way of teaching. We are going to do more interactive activities to explore our commonalities and build community. No, we're tired. Gigi can't even breathe. We're dehydrated. And I haven't tweeted in two hours. And we haven't learned anything about... What is this training even about? We're exploring the content through interactive embodied practices. What are we exploring? My hands are cramping because I haven't texted in... How long have we even been in here? You must trust me to lead you on this educational journey. I am an expert in facilitation. The employees groan and start chattering grumpily. Okay, oh, one, two, three, all eyes on me. Uh, if you can hear my voice, clap once. Bananas unite? Gigi's taking a long puff from their inhaler. It's over, Blue. This has gone too far. No, wait. Oh. I must listen to the group. Consensus. Democracy. Do you all want me to leave? The employees look around at each other. Everyone nods at the same time. We all have better things to do. 
fine. The group has decided I must leave. I am feeling disappointed, sad, hurt. I was so looking forward to sharing these offerings, the rest of these activities and journeys and adventures with you. Goodbye, Blue. Blue gathering their belongings. I will leave. Even in just this short time, you have all become my friends. You are the most awesome, AJ. And I've never met anyone as gregarious as you, Gigi, and the rest of you. We've become so close. We've shared so many of your secrets. You made us do that. I will miss you all. Bananas unite. Bananas split. Goodbye, my neighbors. The big wind is blowing me away. The staff waves as Blue exits. When I catch my breath, do you guys want to play banana grams with me during lunch? Jay and AJ shake their head and leave. What? End of scene. Hey, Brianna. Hey. All right, so tell me about this long sketch. Uh, <laughs> where did this idea come from? Um, so when I took Sketch 101, I had just moved to Philly maybe like six months before that, and I had left my um, grad program, and I had a lot of pent-up feelings about icebreakers, apparently. <laughs> um, so this is Sketch 101 at FIT? Yeah. At Philly Improv Theater? Uh, yeah. Who was the instructor? Alyssa Trudowski. Okay. Um, and then what was, like, the prompt for this sketch? I don't think we had, like, an assignment prompt. I think it was just, like, go write a sketch. Okay, just, and just bring something was, in. This was, like, what was on my mind. Had yeah. been on my mind for a while. Just, like, what if icebreakers never ended? Because that's what my grad program felt like. <laughs> how many icebreakers are you doing in a grad program? I feel like <laughs> that's completely unnecessary. I remember my, my first day of grad school, I went to, um, so I'm like, I, so I was in a grad program for um, drama and theater for youth and communities. And so my first day I was in a like pedagogy, I forget what it was called, some pedagogy class. And we made um, sculptures out of, like, random art objects. And I remember, like, a couple of my friends also started grad school around, like, the same semester as me. And I remember, like, sending them a picture of, like, here's what I did today. <laughs> like, first day of grad school. Took a bunch of yarn and beads and, like, made a sculpture rep representing my teaching philosophy. <laughs> um, so, yes, a lot, a lot of icebreakers. We did so many icebreakers. Yeah, I, I worked at a camp, like, you know, when I was, like, 2021, 20, and when they train you as staff, like, the first two weeks are all icebreakers to get to know each other on staff, and then every week when there's a new arrival of kids, it's icebreakers, like, half that day yep. <laughs> to get to know the kids, so I, I, I totally understand how never-ending icebreakers can be, like they're oh, they're the worst i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i enjoy a good interactive activity but i was definitely having a lot of feelings about like how often we were like everything was interactive and i was like i right. want to sit yeah. in the corner and write in my notebook <laughs> yeah you, you totally understand like the, the reason for them but there is definitely like a point where it has to stop yeah like, yep. 
All right, so uh, so you take Sketch 101 at Philly Improv Theater. Why do you do that? Uh, I took it a year ago, like almost exactly a year ago, I think, because this sketch was actually from February 10th, mm-hmm. and today's February 6th, so almost exactly a year ago. This was where I was. <laughs> um, I ended up... This is, I'm like, do you want the short version or the long version? <laughs> the medium version is that I ended up um, in a friend show that Sarah Clemency wrote and directed, um, I guess, the 2017 Fringe that was at Fit. And okay. everyone in the show was like really cool. And I was like, oh, I feel like I could do more things around these people. Um, and then I ended up taking stand up. Um, and I was like, this is fun. Being funny is fun. <laughs> I like this. I should do more. Um, and I I write and I've been writing and I've been doing theater for a really long time. So I ended up taking, I was like, oh, well, of all the classes that are offered here, like improv and acting and stuff, I think I'll take um, sketch just to, so I'm writing something. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, okay. So multiple questions come out of that. So first off, how do you find out about Sarah, the Sarah Clemency's was that the the vegan musical? No, it was the year after that. Um, only okay. in your dreams. Okay. Yeah, I well, I so I moved to Philly in May ish of 2017, and I applied and auditioned for so many things. <laughs> um, I think I just like went on all the like the theater Philadelphia job board and like looked up auditions mm. and was like keeping an eye out on Facebook and just um auditioning for anything that looked cute (laughs) yeah so doing that show at fit for the fringe then you like so you do stand-up first yeah i did is is there just no desire to do like the improv and acting because you already have the performing background um i think at the time yeah i was like i i um i definitely wanted to focus on growing as a writer and Mm. I've been performing for a really long time. I I don't actually have like a formal like improv training other than having done theater since middle school. Um, but yeah, I was like, I want to focus on writing. So let me try the things that I have the least experience with first. So, and then like, okay, so you grew up performing. So like, was it more plays, more musicals, like as you're growing up? So many musicals, yeah. <laughs> I, was, you, I was mostly... Um, mostly did musicals and then I think in college well and then I did like if there wasn't if there was a play that was just like a straight play or like one acts or something like in high school I would just do stage crew (laughs) or or like stage manage because I didn't I was like "Eh, I don't want to act I just want to (laughs) sing um I'm always curious of people that have done musicals throughout their childhood like do you have a favorite role that you did in your youth uh in my youth I didn't have a lot of parts um yeah i'm trying to think of like my first like big show that i was in in um middle school i was in the wizard of oz and i was a tree because i i'm pretty my brother and i were just talking about this actually because he also did musical theater in high like throughout high school um like middle like throughout childhood basically um Mm -hmm. And there was one audition that I went to and I just like refused to sing because I just I was like, I don't want to sing in front of these people. I don't know them. So they were like, well, we don't know if you're good. So they literally gave me like a part where I had one line. And I was a tree like in the back. Um, 
Okay, I'm trying like my favorite role. I I did I really like didn't have a lot of parts um when mm. I was younger. There were a lot of politics, racism, etc. going on, and I was like shy, so I was like I can sing, but I was definitely like very reserved and not very confident. Um, but I can share one good story. So like my like one of the first shows that I was in, I was a tree. And then my last show in college, I was a tree that we called like Triance, which is interesting. But I was um in I was actually in a musical comedy theater company thing, so we did all original musical theater comedy things. Um, and so we did we had one number that was um, I can't remember what, what it was actually called. I think it was called Don't Cut Me Down. It was about like trees being like Don't Cut Me Down, and I was like the lead tree singing like soloist song and my i remember my parents came and they were like it's come full circle you were the tree <laughs> with one line and now you're the lead tree <laughs> so in college you were part of a musical comedy group yeah like, uh how does that <laughs> so it's basically it's a theater company and there are a team of writers that write um the show every year it's like it's a really big like very professional show that happens um like we, we would go on tour and every like throughout the year we would do the show like in three different times um and go on tour every january and where's this what, what college princeton university oh fancy yeah they have a <laughs> lot of money <laughs> i was like we got to like go go on tour for free and it was just I made money on one tour somehow. It's crazy. <laughs> I like left with more money. I was like, how this happen? Um, but yeah, so they have like a team of writers that will put together a, um, they like, there's different like structures, but it's usually like a combination of sketches and songs that are either have some sort of plot or just all related to a general theme. Um, yeah. And then, but it's like, it's a, it's a musical full blown two acts, orchestra, everything. So, uh, I, whenever I talk to people that have like a theater background at, you know, or at least more of a theater background than I do, uh, I always, you know, I always ask about your favorite role and a role. I'm always curious about what, what role would you love to play? Oh, like given all the druthers, like, <laughs> you know, um, if you had your choice, hundred percent, what would it be? I feel like a couple of years ago would have been literally any character in rent but i feel like celie in the color purple probably hmm. yeah i've i've got no experience with the color purple it is theater thing like i've read the book i've i've seen the you know the movie from 80 whatever but i've, I've never seen I think the actual they're like... making a movie of the musical okay which if they do i hope is done well but I've, yeah no the musical is really 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 amazing I feel like the recent um, revival was like really well received. Yeah, I saw I saw that one and I saw the original one, and I love both of them. Okay, <laughs> I was like, everything is amazing. This is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> everything is good. No, it's I think it's so 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 great. The music is just like perfect. <laughs> Everything's perfect. <laughs> so, do you have uh, an early like comedy memory? Like, what's your earliest memory of comedy? Like watching cartoons with my brother. And like mm. movies with my brother, and like rewatching them until we knew all the lines, and we would just like we kind of like developed this language of speaking in like 
movie and TV references that sometimes we still do, like when we're around each other and we'll like say something and I'm like, where did that even come from? It's like some movie that we watched 20 times when we were kids. Anything like specific, any like specific um, cartoons or movies that were like the big ones for you? I'm like, we watched a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, um, SpongeBob, Arthur. Like a lot of, we also, we watched a lot of PBS. We like didn't really, we had like cable on and off. So we watched a lot of all the PBS kids shows. Um, we watched Pirates of the Caribbean. I watched Pirates of the Caribbean so many times and <laughs> quote that movie. I knew the entire thing in and out. I knew the special features on the DVD by heart because I watched it so many times. <laughs> what, like, what was it about the Pirates of the Caribbean movie? Because I think I've only seen the first one. I'm like, you haven't watched it 20 times. <laughs> um, I don't even know when it I, came out. And I'm going to look at it. I up. think I actually worked in a, in a movie theater at my college when it came out. So I had to like run the projection booth like the whole weekend that it showed. So I probably saw it like four or five times that weekend. It, it came out in, wait, why are you not telling 03 me? 3 Yeah, so I was, I was in middle school. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that was like the peak of my just like obsessive, like anything that I was into, I was like very into it um that wasn't the peak it continued for a while i feel like um <laughs> i just think i thought i probably thought that like it's just really dramatic so i just probably thought like the whole premise was just like intense and dramatic and they all had accents i just thought it was hilarious and amazing <laughs> and i think it's just hilarious too that like johnny depp was nominated for an oscar for that role and he did it like four more times and yeah. now johnny depp <laughs> is like not totally a pariah but like he yeah. isn't what he used to be at all it was a different time <laughs> it was on a different yeah. time i'm sure he was also a mess then too but now people are more aware of it and i don't know what he does so <laughs> i think i saw the first three of the pirates of the I, whatever the one where the person was like gigantic on the ship is that the third one oh i, I don't know no clue I think, I think i saw the first three and then i was like this is bad this is ruining it for me i'm gonna stop and just stick to my original the rose colored glasses of the original one. <laughs> yeah um and then but like what about what about sketch comedy do you have any memories growing up at, of watching sketch um yeah i used to watch the amanda show and all that all the time like what generation of all that would that be then like are there different generations well i'm like <laughs> i feel like you could you could probably break up all that with some of the cast like like I feel like the original all that was you know very heavily focused on Keenan and Kel. That's the only version I know. <laughs> okay, and then later on it became Amanda and like I feel like like Gabriel Iglesias was on the show like even though he was infinitely older than everyone else like and then Amanda got spun off onto her own thing like. I don't know. I, I feel like those last two years probably weren't totally the original all that, I feel. I'm trying to see what the like cast members were. <laughs> I don't I don't really I remember the Amanda show more than I remember all that. Hmm. Like more specifically. Um but yeah, I definitely watched that a lot as a kid. I ask everybody, um, because I'm always curious, like Saturday Night Live is like has become like the juggernaut <laughs> and what most people think of like sketch comedy, because like like I don't know if you did it, but when I started taking like sketch comedy classes and people were asking me about it, I was like, oh, it's like it's like SNL, but you know, not in New York on TV. It's here <laughs> in Philadelphia. Like, so do you have a favorite SNL cast member? 
Oh. Um. <laughs> I feel like I have to, like, full disclosure, I watched SNL for, like, a very... I watched SNL for, like, a several-year period, and then I stopped because it started stressing me out. Sure. Um, and during that it, time period... It, it doesn't even have to be, like, the, like while they were on the show. Like, it could be, like, you know, their projects after the fact or... Yeah, someone I, from SNL. For whatever reason, I really like Andy Samberg, which I feel yeah, like is like a weird thing that's like been consistent. Like I think I just think he's hilarious. The Lonely Island was like was very hilarious to me when I was younger and I still find it very hilarious. So I feel like it's one of those things that if it were to enter my life at right now, I would be like, "Why?" <laughs> but yeah. As something that has been carried with me since high school, I think I just always thought he was really funny. I mean, I feel All right, so you you move to Philadelphia. Yeah. You do the Fringe show that Sarah Clemency did. Um, took stand-up class, and you take so sketch writing one hundred and one with Alyssa. I think you're the first person I've had like I've talked to that was in Alyssa's class, and you know Alyssa uh, has been on the podcast before. Cups and a half. I forget what episode number it is. I I could look it up, but whatever um <laughs> probably somewhere in the 50s or 40s like really super early uh so what's your impression of taking a sketch comedy writing class my impression of it um like was it what you expected it to be um i don't really think i had a lot of expectations i think Yeah, I don't think I don't know. <laughs> I I remember it was I so I I think I ended up. I think the class the class must have started in January, and I ended up doing sinker sketch like starting in February. Mm. Um, so I think about like halfway through the class, I was like thrown on a team. <laughs> so like the combination of those two two things was like very intensive. Um, okay, because I think I was also just like ready to go and the, the curriculum is kind of like here's how to brainstorm here's how to do this um like i think we left with like two drafts and i was like and as soon as i was in like the sinker sketch uh team um which is now the rhubarbs um that was like yeah let me write i want to write everything <laughs> um so like the, right. that experience is kind of like combined for me because i was doing like both at the same time um sure so let's talk about Sinker Sketch. So uh, here in Philly at Philly Improv Theater, there's a monthly show called Sinker Sketch where, uh, basically you you know people apply to the sh- to the show every month. They get randomly assigned to a director and a team. It's usually like a team of four or five, and they have a month to write a show. Like they m- probably don't know each other very well beforehand. They might know each other in passing or whatever, but it's generally supposed to be a random show. So, why do you sign up for the for singer sketch right away? Alyssa told me to. <laughs> well, I think I think she brought it up and you know like brought it up and mentioned it um, in the class, and I was like, oh sure, I'm, and I you know was looking for more opportunities to just be performing and doing stuff, so mm-hmm. I signed up. Yeah. <laughs> and how was that experience of writing a show in the first in a in a month's time? Like, it was great. I I feel like I can it was the best thing or one of the best things I feel like happened to be in 2019. Um, yeah, it was like a really, Oh, it was just like a really intensive process. Um, I learned a lot and we did five shows 
in Sinker Sketch. And then wow, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so the, the the idea of Sinker Sketch is that it is a a loose competition show. Oh, it is winner... a competition show. That but it like <laughs> every, every time I've gone to it, every time I've seen it, it's it like the competition aspect of it is kind of like joked about, like. But like you, you win the competition and you move on and you keep going and you stay yeah. every month. And you guys and, and you all did it five times. Yeah. <laughs> did you do new material? Yes, there was one time where we had done a full length show before the singer sketch, so we like repeated some of the ones from the hour long show. Um, but otherwise, it was new. We, they were all like completely new shows with the exception of i think that that last one so wait so not only do you do the sinker sketch every month within that time span you also do like a, a regular set <laughs> we did so we did a march april may june there wasn't a show in july and then we did august I feel like I'm. I feel like I skipped a month. We did five sinker sketches, and then um, and then I think there was a couple months that were off. I know like July was definitely off because I think it would have fallen on the fourth of July. And but we did a full. We did a two show run of a of an hour long show. Uh, all right. So tell me about the rebarbs. Y'all get put together through the sinker sketch process. So how does the team work to gel with each other? Um. I feel like it kind of happened naturally. We also had a really, really great director who was just like, be better, <laughs> mm. um, which like just like really taught us a lot and like pushed us to just like be better. Like, yeah, I don't know, be, be better sounds like the, like not a really great way of saying it, but um, yeah, she was just like, you know, like your sketches need to be shorter and like really like pushed us to find the jokes and um, pump like pump up everything. Um, and I think we just kind of like naturally had really great chemistry, um, but also like we're able to we were in an environment where like we learned how to support each other and like give constructive feedback, um, and like we also just had like great energy and chemistry on stage too. So that yeah. so it's it's good to like have both too because it's like the we're able to support each other with the writing, but then on stage also we really like mesh together performance wise too. And then at what point, like, so the Rhubarbs have a five-month run or so with Iron Sketch. I mean, with Sinker Sketch, that's new. Iron Sketch is the old show. Uh, at what point does the uh, invitation or, like, the, the post to for the new house teams at Fit come about? Like, where in the timeline of that does that happen? I feel like it was some point during the summer, maybe? Because our first show was in September. So I feel like we started meeting in July or August. So some point during the summer. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't really look into the whole process that uh, was going to happen for the, the two new teams that were cast last summer. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's their basic process of like 10 pages of three sketches or so and then a bunch of pitches. Do you remember what you pitched like in that packet? I can pull it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you know, just ideas yeah. of like, well, what think, kind of sketches that you did. I think I wrote a bunch of them, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so now I'm curious as to what they were. Doo -doo 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 -doo. I found it. Sketch writers, packet pitches. 
June 30th, so it's probably due June 30th. Oh, wow. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, oh, yeah, I wrote this one. At a farmer's market, the rhubarb seller won't stop trying to get a passerby to support their increasingly random side hustles. Like, why is it a rhubarb seller when you have another sketch team called the Rhubarbs? That was why, but I ended up that, it's, it. it's <laughs> like a, a little wink and a nod. It's also just like a random vegetable, but I actually did end up writing it, and we did it in a rhubarb show or two. Mm. Like, yeah, it was in our holiday show that we did. Uh, and I, I, I think it's still a question on the application. It was last time I, I checked. Uh, it talked about like comedy philosophy. Oh yeah. Do you remember like what you would have said on that? I do remember because I thought it was really good. <laughs> um, I think that I wrote. Um, what I remember is that I said that I like. Um, I want to create comedy that helps us love each other better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I'm keeping that because, <laughs> um, yeah, and also just like write like. I think I also said something about um, like wanting to write from my perspective as a black queer non-binary person and bringing that perspective more um, absolutely to comedy and also like making comedy that feels like more accessible and not like only certain people will get this or like really isolating because um, like I don't know my my parents like come to all all of my shows and I like that they can come and be like I know what's going on and I'm not confused because it's just a bunch of millennials <laughs> um and like I think one of my teammates like her kids have seen our shows so that's also important to me that it's like it you know it doesn't have to be like family friendly necessarily but um just like creating something that appeals to it doesn't necessarily have to appeal to like a wider audience necessarily but like I've definitely seen things where I'm like I don't know what's going on. You're make, like this whole sketch is built off of a reference that I have no. I know, I know, I know absolutely. <laughs> oh, so it's important to me that like even if it is a reference, like how are we making sure that that people will still find funny in it? Um, and yeah, and I think just like making like making it about how we can just like light and like how we can be better to each other. Um, one of the it's definitely not like the first sketch that I wrote, but one of the first maybe 10 that i wrote was um called ruin the reveal about a game show where disney villains go ruin gender reveals <laughs> mm. and i think that that kind of was like i don't know that kind of like to me like encapsulates what i want to do is just like challenge people to be better and but also like in a funny way and I think that there, I've also like seen a bunch of sketches that's like, we're going to talk about a social issue, but like, it's really triggering <laughs> or like, we're like literally reenacting like oppression on stage, but like calling it funny. And yeah. like, that's not fun. Um, like I don't, I'm, inclusive isn't totally right. The right word for what I want to like say, like, cause I think inclusive means something entirely different, but like that idea of having, um, like references that I have no clue of. Like I think I saw a show a couple months ago, and they were talking about like like it was like a Stranger Things parody, and I was just like, yeah, I got like I've never watched the show, so this means <laughs> nothing to me. So it was like four minutes of just like, and I I know that's on me because Stranger Things is such a popular show, but like, yeah, like I've I've got a sketch episodes. that like <laughs> like I've got a sketch that I've been tinkering with for like five years and I, I still don't know if the reference is good enough or if the 
premise makes sense without knowing the reference and that's like a huge thing for me right now is like like if if you've never read this book as a child like is this going to be a thing that helps you like yeah um, i feel like there's a, there's a balance between like throwing in references that people who do get them will, will like laugh at and making sure there's still something funny about it regardless of whether or not you get the specific reference yeah in one of like the the snl documentaries and i'm sure i brought up before on this podcast uh, one of the writers said something about like to the effect of you know paraphrasing that reward the people that know the reference but don't punish the people that don't yeah which i think is like yeah, yeah absolutely like if like there should still be a ground floor for what you're going to try to do here so you apply for this new house team and you get on so tell me about the experience of being in this new writer's room full of people that are coming together for the first time <laughs> for the first time sounds so like it feels like a very long time ago <laughs> it's like first day of school energy um, yeah. yeah for me it was interesting it was like the first time that I mean I had been in like a sketch class and then I had been on the team for um, I guess like five or six months um, and so that was like my only real experience of being in a writer's room um, and so we had way more people <laughs> um, even from the beginning like there were more writers than there were on my like entire center sketch team so i was like oh there's mm. so many people how do we like how do we like how is this going to work so um for me it was like a it was definitely like a learning experience to see how other writers rooms are run and how other people how other people like show up in writers rooms um just like how people communicate and how um people give and like want to receive feedback what kinds of ideas people have um how people like view revision and all of that stuff um did you have to do icebreakers the first time <laughs> i don't remember i'm trying to think i should remember the first day uh i'm sure we did like share something about yourself but i don't think that we did <laughs> i don't think we, i don't think we got up like got up <laughs> and did anything i think it was all from our chairs uh so i'm always curious like, also i say that a lot um but you're currently juggling two projects between at least two projects with the rhubarbs and 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 mural outrage at least you know sketch comedy products I'll, I'll just narrow it down that way um how do you decide what idea goes to which project that's a really good question and it's been it's been kind of hard um i've definitely thought about it a lot there's usually been like especially i think over the last like six months like enough of a gap um that like so like it's, it's february so like the rhubarbs haven't done anything well actually no we did one show but we didn't we haven't like been writing um or meeting as a writer's room for like over mm -hmm. a month um but then also so the that that's irrelevant i take it back <laughs> um <laughs> yeah i don't know i think that i like i think that i just the deadline like the timelines are usually different a little bit at least um so it's usually like i I'm like okay, I have to like, and also the theme to, it, like theme is also matters too because, um, so the the last rhubarb show that I was writing for was the holiday show that we did um at Fit, and mm. so it was all like holiday winter friends family like that kind of theme, and then um, like writing for Miller Outrage was like a completely different theme, so that helps. Um, but then I've also like, 
written sketches and then only one of them ends up in the show and then i take them and run away <laughs> and right that idea of like oh this is still mine and i'm gonna <laughs> hold on to it for yeah. something else yeah and i think like i think for me too part of that is because i'm like should i hold on to them should i wait and i think um just seeing how i and like the rhubarbs at least have like grown over this span of time since we've been together like a year ago um that doesn't like make sense to hold on to things for long periods of time because i'm like my writing's going to keep getting better Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, I might as well just like get it produced as quickly as possible, like assuming that I feel good about it and it's done. And so, um, yeah, there were sketches that I had like written and like shared in the mural age writing room that didn't end up in our first show, and then I like almost immediately they were in the rhubarb show, um, right after. Is there like did a member of uh, mural outrage go to the, the rhubarb show like, hey, that's ours, like? Oh, I mean, it's, but it's mine. <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've, we've had, like, I don't know if anyone came. I hope they did. Um, I, like, I think in all the spaces so far that I've been in, like, we've had conversations about, like, ownership of, like, sketch ownership. And I think usually the line is, like, if it's been very significantly changed by the people in the room, then, like, or if it's been co-written by the people in the room, yeah. then, you know, it's a team sketch and not our own sketch and a lot of... Um, the things that I've written have have they I mean, they haven't been that they're, just, they're pretty solidly mine. Yeah, the difference between your singular voice versus the team's voice. Yeah, with, yeah. when it comes to editing, for sure, probably. Yeah, and I like, and I always there. I always check in to be like I'm just making sure that we're not using this and I can use, like even for Smitten as well I, um, had at least like one sketch that wasn't in it that's. Yeah, I just I just write things and I'm like, where is it gonna fit in? <laughs> um, between the two projects of the rhubarbs and, and mural outrage, is there a difference in like the tone of like and how you pro- like how the, either team approaches the writing process? I think like just be- because of like external factors, like the rhubarbs have been writing a lot very quickly. Um, my team member, Dan Mosley, shout out, <laughs> counted up how many sketches we did last year. And it was like 66, I think, or it was more than that. Oh, wow. Maybe 66. Like new, like new individual sketches that we did, um, from February to December. Um, so we, and we basically like, even once we stopped doing sink or sketch and like in those gaps, we basically had a show every month and sometimes like a new show every single month. And sometimes like more than one, I think. <laughs> um, and so that just like wow. forced us to be like churning out. Like we got used to doing it on a really quick timeline and just like churning stuff out, which was, I don't know. I I like do really well with like deadlines, deadlines, go go go. <laughs> um, so that was definitely like helpful for me. And for Mirror Outrage, we've just like had more time because I think our last show was in September and this one is in. February? What month is it? Yeah, February. <laughs> February. Yeah, so like we had a really, I think it was in September. I'm pretty sure. I think it was right after Fringe. Um, uh, yeah. That sounds roughly right. Yeah, yeah. So like that's a long time to be. And we did um, the Black Friday Comedy Marathon, so we like had one. And we did Sketchworks last week. Not Sketchworks, Sketch Riot. I always get them confused. We did Sketch <laughs> Riot last. So anyway, so we've like had some other things where we kind of like did stuff that we had already done or were going to do. Um, but like having a three months to write a show is, or three September, October, November, December. Yeah. So having like three or four months to write a show is very different than like doing one every month. So that's, so that's different. Um, does your approach change with like the timing of a show of like, of having 
four months to really work on something versus you know putting something up every month with another team like my personal approach yeah um yeah i think that i'm less pressed about writing so it ends up being like um yeah i think that there are like more times where i'll show up and i didn't write anything and i'm just like supporting versus when i am mm. like showing up with new stuff or showing up with revisions because it's just like spread over such a wide amount of time and i mm. think and also like in those times i've been working on other stuff so my like energy is more spread out yeah i mean i think uh, I, I generally approach it the same way but there's def there's definitely something about the pressure of a deadline looming over yeah. me to like get me to turn out more stuff absolutely uh tell me about the starfruit project Oh yeah, like that's not sketch, but it could be. <laughs> but, uh, well, you can talk about it. Though. Yeah. Like... Um. So it is my business that I started in the beginning of 2018. Um. It focuses on using performance and creative writing for radical healing and brilliant growth. Um. That's looked a lot of different ways, and it's like continuously evolving. Um. So like in the past, it's um. It's, it kind of has changed. Like one of the first things I did was um, start a blog and like interview, I think almost all like black, queer and trans artists about how their work like connects to healing um, and their just like artistic creative journeys. I also, when I first started, I did like online writing workshops. Um, mm -hmm. And I since have been doing, like since I've been in Philly, I've been pretty much doing only like in-person ones. And the writing workshops are focused more on self-exploration and like using writing as a tool rather than like craft or like how to write well. Um, and they usually have like different themes. So I just last month did um, New Year Radiant You. <laughs> um, so like focusing on like looking back at, the, at 2019 and focusing on like how, what, what intentions we want to set for 2020. Um, and then there's also, and also like we'll go table at events. Um, like I tabled at, there's like a Philly queer bazaar. So I like table at that where I have like writing prompts and like Play-Doh, <laughs> just like, I call it like a creative healing station. So people just want to come like get an affirmation or like do a writing prompt or squeeze some Play-Doh or get a sticker. Um, just kind of like something different for people to do at like a fair or an event or a festival or something like that. So I've done that at a, at a number of events. Um, and I usually post, I'm kind of like switching it up and figuring out what's going to happen for 2020. Um, but I have like a bunch of um, writing prompts up on the website and also on Instagram that I share um, so that folks can reflect, um, journal, etc. And yeah, and I've had so far, I've had like two performance projects. I'm looking forward to doing more in the future. Um, but last year during Free Fringe, I put together a showcase featuring um, new works in progress by Black LGBTQ artists. It's called nonlinear. So it was a showcase. We ended up having four, um, four different like presentation pieces in the showcase. It was really successful. Like people, I, successful sounds like a weird word, but it was a really great event. Like we had, it was packed. Um, it was really hot <laughs> that day, but it was like super packed. Um, I know at least like some of the people who were there, like the artists, made connections and like were able to find other opportunities because they got their their work was seen. Um, and I, at least one of the pieces had like gone on to like one of the plays um the person Devin Randall had like pitched an idea but, like he hadn't started writing the draft and then now has a like has had two readings of the play since then like the full version um hmm. very cool yeah so there's been a like that was a really great opportunity and then the other thing in December I had a 
put together a team of black queer and trans artists to devise a play um it wasn't supposed to be about the holidays but i guess we were all feeling very festive so it ended up being like a black queer holiday play and we did a reading of that at the painted bride um in december so that, yeah so that's kind of like everything that the starfruit project has done i'm still like you know dreaming and scheming for 2020 to see what's going to happen um yeah, I think the most, what's today's Thursday? But tomorrow I started also doing like a Focus Friday thing so people can come co-work with me. Um, that's like the most recent thing. That I, like most, the next thing that's coming up is that. Um, but yeah, I'm mostly, I'm just like really, I like obviously the arts are very powerful and I want it to be something that like pe- more people have access to. Like um, there's a lot of, lack of accessibility to these things as tools for a variety of reasons you know like systematic oppression um time also just like the idea that only certain people can you know write like if you're not a good enough writer you can't be writing which is like denying people access to using a tool that can help all of us like you don't have to be publishing your work in order for writing to be helpful to you and you don't have to like right exactly um, and also like i think that creating more opportunities for like artists who are pursuing art as a path is also really important. And um, there's always more space, more opportunities to like, there's always room to create more space for um, specifically like black queer and trans people who I've been like focusing on creating artistic spaces for, because a lot of them like don't specifically exist. We have to make them for ourselves, um, especially if we want like resources and structural support. Um, So that's also been a focus of mine. That was my long spiel thanks for listening <laughs> no it's great sounds awesome yeah so as we're like winding down here i always ask uh you know you're relatively new to the sketch game but you've done a lot in that year like the fact that the rhubarbs did six or something sketches like individually new sketches is you know blew my mind a little bit but like so what's something about sketch comedy that you would pass on to a new writer <laughs> short sketches (laughs) keep it short (laughs) that's my feeling short sketches um yeah that and yeah i feel like embrace i embrace the shortness and i don't and that's not even to be like shady to be like seven pages is too long even though it probably is um (laughs) no no it is yeah (laughs) where the the one that we just read was six in a line and i that was too long um but i think one of the one of the like greatest things that i've learned just like as an artist in general is that like you can just start and like thinking because i also write plays and that's like a way more daunting task to be like yeah absolutely okay great i'm gonna sit down i have to write probably at least 60 pages if i want this to be an hour great okay (laughs) um but I think with sketch, it's like there's a lot of there's like way more space for trial and error. Like there's not way more space. Like I think that that's something that I need to cultivate in my own like playwriting practice and writing practice in general. Um, but I'm learning from the process of writing sketches that like it's okay if you show up with half a page and read it to your team because they're going to give you feedback and you're going to know what to do next. Um, you know if you have a team that you trust, and so that's that's like allowed me to be like okay, I'm showing like. I think there's like show like it's helped me embrace that I the practice of just showing up and like showing up with something even if it's not perfect even if it's not finished even if it's too long even if it's too short and just like embracing that has been really helpful to me and so I hope that other people <laughs> um 
like are able to use sketch as like if they are experiencing any like blockages or like um insecurity or like i get like paralysis like paral- analysis paralysis so i'm like I just, yeah. yeah so i'm like i need to start this but i'm completely overwhelmed so i'm just gonna procrastinate forever um and i think that's for me like sketch has been a really great way to like get out of that um i still have a lot of work to do but you know at least i've gotten over that hill with writing i'm like it's just three pages you can write three pages and if it's bad your team has got your back and your team's gonna like tell you what was good tell you what was whack and like give you a plan to move forward and it's gonna be okay yeah i i very much when i first start writing sketch comedy like when i was presenting to my original group like my first group like i always wanted to present a final draft like and that just wasn't healthy at all like you know i wasn't taking criticism very well i wasn't like you know the idea of a rewrite or an edit like how dare you like it took me years to be like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, take an idea to them, and we'll make it better together. Like, it's something that I, I definitely learned the hard way, for sure. Yeah, it's such a great, this, like, life message, too. Because I'm definitely, person, yeah. like, it ha- like everything has to be perfect before I share it with anyone. Um, which is why, like, I feel like I've been doing a lot of creative work over the years, and I don't share a lot of it because i'm just like (laughs) it's not perfect or i didn't like how this part went and so this has really gotten me out of like it's okay to show up with the first draft and that first draft doesn't have to be like a full first complete draft um yeah so this is life advice learning (laughs) through the arts (laughs) absolutely (laughs) and then uh, finally like i I, you've done sketch comedy you've done stand-up you were in a musical comedy theater company at princeton you're you're juggling multiple projects now playwriting and all this other stuff why comedy the world is depressing (laughs) um i feel like recently recently um yeah i used to watch like a lot of like the shonda rhyme shows like scandal and how to get with murder and like um all this like really intense stuff and it like, used to give me night i used to watch i watched all of pretty little liars i will confess i've said it on the record <laughs> i've seen every single episode of pretty little liars and it used to give me nightmares um and i still it's a terrible wonderful show um <laughs> but yeah more recently i've been like i should watch this drama or like i should watch this show and i'm like i just want to watch we wear bears because i'm tired <laughs> and it was yeah. terrible um and I think I've also, like, always been more, like, leaning towards comedic energy. Um, but I, I just, like, did, didn't really embrace it until, like, the last year. Um, I think one of the things that I, when I applied or submitted a packet to be on a house team was, um, it was, like, what's your, like, other experience in comedy? And I think I wrote something, like, I have years of experience of being in the chorus of of musicals and trying to upstage everyone <laughs> which means that i have like really great just like what's the most ridiculous thing i can do so people can pay attention to me <laughs> even though i'm like in the back for the entire show um yeah i think i don't know i think that there's like and there's also like a lot of like pressure in this i this also just could be me but there's you know like the world is like media is like very obsessed with bad things um and like we want to talk about all the bad things like because well one like there are bad things that we should talk about but also like the media like it's like if it bleeds it leads or whatever um so there's just like a lot of like trauma and like we see it all the time on social media and i don't think 
in any way that we should pretend that things aren't happening but like it's a lot to like consistently look online and be like oh right like i should be terrified for my life all the time um and comedy is just like a way to like cope with that and deal with that and like a lot of the sketches that i write like have to do with therapy for whatever reason I'm like why do i keep writing therapy sketches uh, but it's just like i don't know it's, i think it's a way to like deal with things and finding humor and also just like kind of stepping back from the idea that everything needs to be serious and dramatic and also that like specifically like speaking as a black queer person like the idea that like all of our stories need to be dra dramatic dramas that are you know winning oscars because they're portraying our oppression like i like there's a lot of like really important work like Ava, du Ava DuVernay's work like that's really really important and also like very depressing <laughs> not all of it um and so I think like in being able to embrace comedy and be like no I deserve to laugh like my friends of color deserve to laugh my queer and trans friends of color deserve to laugh my family like my black family deserves to laugh um because that's who comes to my shows who come to support and like that's really really important to me to be like no we deserve to have like experience joy <laughs> in this like terrible oppressive capitalistic society so I think it's why I've been, I think I was like, I, I definitely feel like I needed it in my life. I was like, oh yes, give me all the, all of the funny. And now I'm just like children's cartoons because <laughs> <laughs> I went to visit my grandparents the other day and I was just like, I'm just going to put on Nickelodeon because the news is everything else. No, we're just going to watch Nickelodeon. So it's like me and my like 90 year old grandparents just watching whatever's on Nickelodeon because <laughs> It's funny, and I just like I have I I I like wholesome content also. So yeah, that was a long answer. All right, thanks, Brianna. Yeah, thank you. Brianna is directing Philly Improv Theater's Valentine's Day themed show called Smitten. February 13th, 14th, and 15th, all those shows take place at 9 p.m. And then the following week, Mural Outrage starts their next run at the Philly Improv Theater with a show called Night Sweat. Two weeks, Thursdays and Fridays, February 20th, 21st, 27th, 28th, all those shows also at 9 p.m. Head to fitcomedy.com for more information, including tickets. Also, check out Brianna's work at thestarfruitproject.com. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.